Hello and welcome back to the LIBF Financial Advisor podcast. I hope you've all had a great bank holiday. We're pleased to launch a brand new power planner series hosted by me, Richard Cooper, and with guest speakers from the world of power planning. We have Michelle Wilson-Stimson, Sean Davies-Cole, and Rob Kingsbury. Episode one discusses the future of power planning and some of the issues faced by power planners today. This new power planner series is for power planners by power planners. Look out for episodes monthly. If you're interested in staying ahead in the world of banking and finance, subscribe to our podcast by searching LIBF Podcast in your chosen podcast app or listen online at www.libf.ac.uk forward slash podcasts. Now let's get on with it. So hi, everyone. I'm Richard Cooper. I'm the Business Development Manager at the London Institute of Banking and Finance, and I have the responsibility for financial services. Um, I hope you've all had a good bank holiday and welcome to our new podcast that we're doing specifically for power planners going forward. Um, Really, I suppose over the last 18 months, our advisor podcast has been very successful, but we felt that Paraplanners needed something that was relevant and more appropriate to them. Uh, we've had a lot of paraplanners taking advantage and listening to the, the advisor podcast, but I think there's enough to talk about that's relevant for paraplanning that you have a podcast of your own. And I'm joined today by three amazing guests, and I'm you know very very happy that they've agreed to join me on our episode one. Um, and episode one is all about the future of paraplanning in the UK and how to recruit and retain. Paraplanners. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to introduce by title uh, our three uh, three guests and then allow them to introduce themselves and then we'll go in and, and start our uh, start our podcast with you. So our first guest is Michelle Wilson-Stimson. She's the CEO and Managing Director of eParaplan. She's over 20 years of real uh, financial services experience and she's also a finalist in the Women Finance Awards of 2021. Michelle, thank you ever so much for joining us. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hi. Hi, everybody. Um, I am Michelle, as uh, Richard said. Um, I'm the MD of ePowerplan, which is an outsourced um, power planning business. I actually started um, ePowerplan, God, many moons ago now. I'm trying to think how many years ago. It's probably about, it's got to be a good 14, 15, 16 years ago. Although back then it wasn't called ePowerplan and it wasn't a limited company. We incorporated in uh, 2013, I believe. Um, I started the business because I was an advisor and stockbroker at the time and I needed support and I wanted to call upon a firm that did absolutely everything, not just power planning. So I wanted everything for an advisor um, and there was nothing out there. So a um, couple of people doing power planning at that time, just starting up, um, but no one doing absolutely everything. So that's why I developed ePowerplan and sort of like push forward, not, not just power planning, but power planning administration and the whole encompassing office, back office of a, of a financial advisors, really. Um, and it, is all, it all stems because I myself as an advisor really struggled with having time to do the administration and everything. Um, so I just wanted to create something that was out there for everybody else to use as well. And you'll certainly see some changes over the last uh, eight years in power planning for sure. For sure. Uh, and, and I'm probably excited about the changes that are to come, I would have thought. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it, It's gone 
a, a couple of different ways, really, power planning for me. It's um, it's developed in a sense that there's more of a need now. I think there's much more need for power planners, administration, um, and all those sort of things. But the actual terminology of a power planner is is changing. And I think it's starting to develop into something a lot more than just power planning. Um, it's, it's more than just writing a report. It's, you know, now it's things like making sure people have got management information for their advisors. And, 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 I, and I can see it changing and developing a lot more that way as well. Brilliant. And our second guest, um, and I'm pleased to, to introduce Rob Kingsbury who's a director of KGR Media Services. You'll probably know him as the chief editor of Professional Power Planner and uh, certainly um, very, very good in some of the reports and research they put together uh, and very interested in the, least, in the recent research and finance report on power planning in a pandemic, um, which, you know, excellent piece of work on that one. So Rob, tell us about you. Hi, oh, yeah. Okay, so I'm Rob. Um, I've been editing Professional Power Planner since it launched back in 2014. Um, we set up the website and did our first um, event in the year after that, 2015, and going great guns ever since, really. Um, it's really frustrating last year not to be able to get out and see people around the country. Uh, love going out and meeting power planners um, where they work, so to speak, or near to where they work. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can do that again next year. But uh, yeah, we 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 you know we do our best to sort of provide some quality content for you guys out there. Um, I have to say it's actually it's a pleasure to actually write for for Parapanas. Fantastic people, fantastic, interesting content, and brilliant market. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and I must admit, you know, again, it, having a specific publication that's purely for paraplanners, I think must have been well received when it, when it started. Um, but again, you've seen that develop, haven't you, um, over the last few years, uh, not, not only in, in terms of the publication itself, but as you say, the events that you run around the country as well, uh, which are very well received, I know, from the paraplanners that, 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 that I talk to. Yeah, we've, um, I mean, the events are fantastic for us. Um, you know, as I said, it's great to get out and meet people. Um, we were going to do 16 last year. Um, <clears throat> whether we'll be actually that many, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, in 2022, when I think we're going probably going to start doing them again, um, we'll have to be seen. But uh, yeah, we have to do as many as possible. Um, yeah, I mean, the the parapanic market um, just in the you know in in the time that we've been writing about it has changed quite considerably and grown and you know become more vibrant. So yeah, definitely seen a lot of change over the past past few years. And our third guest. Uh, which I'm uh, again really pleased that she's she's joined us because uh, you know Sean uh, Sean sorry uh, Davies Cole who's um, not only uh, the director of Planworks but she's also co-founder and mentor of the Paraplanner Club um, which uh, if you are a member of I'm sure you'll appreciate the mentoring and support that they give to Paraplanners so so Sean over to you. Thanks, Rich, and thanks for having us. Um, so, as you said, I'm uh, a co-director, co-owner of um, Planworks. Uh, joined only back in September last year, so nearly a year for me uh, with Planworks. Um, I teamed up with Nathan, who started the company uh, a bit like Michelle many years ago. Um, uh, before that, I'd always worked in-house uh, as a power planner um, since 2011-ish. Um, uh, it was just starting to become a thing uh, then within financial planning firms and uh, I was in a bank at, a at the time uh, but I always kind of uh, knew that I wanted to take that step out and uh, go into the world of 
business ownership or running a business um, and the experience that I had in the firms that I worked in, I thought gave me a really good um, knowledge and understanding of how power planners could work at their best um, capacity and the best efficiency um, uh, and how we could use everybody's skills in the best way, um, which sometimes wasn't wasn't used in, in the firms that I worked in. Um, uh, and uh, in the last role that I had before PlanWorks, I, I managed to set up a, my own power planning team within the firm, uh, designed who should be doing what within the firm, recruited for those roles, um, so I could see it working in action, which was a really interesting thing to do. So, um, uh, but abs- I, I knew that coming into the, um, the world of outsourced power planning would be different, uh, but I didn't realise how amazing it would be. It's, it's the best decision I ever made. Brilliant. And, and I think the pandemic itself has uh, probably had a major impact on, on power planning. And certainly, you know, maybe again, what we see in some of the changes for the future of power planning uh, will have an impact. But, but why, why did you set up... Um, the uh, it's been a long time coming um, so it's been something that I'd been thinking about um, myself for, for a number of years um, uh, I from my experience working within firms I um, I went in as a power planner um, into a financial planning firm I'd, um, I'd got my diploma I'd, be, I'd got my level six um, when I was working for a bank uh, so then I went in at, at that level um, rather than going through the the sort of uh, levels of you know, administrator then into power planner which quite often is the is the route um, and I just saw that there was not much support there for people who then did want to progress um, uh, people would generally come in as an administrator as, as kind of a, an entry level um, if they didn't have any uh, background experience or qualifications like the level four um, diploma um, and um, and yeah, and there just wasn't very much um, support for them then in terms of guidance, in terms of how to how to 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 be a power planner. Um, uh, the only guidance that seemed to really happen was about qualified qualifications, about studying the various routes. Um, and even then, it depended on the firm as to what they would advise you do. Um, uh, you know, there's uh, lots of talk about which route to take, um, but in within a firm, it's very much um, the guidance is given as per whatever. Um, the firm decides is the most suitable route. So um, we wanted to create something that was really um, quite independent, focused only on the kind of softer things around power planning rather than the technical bits. Um, uh, and, um, I, and I can see that there was an absolute need um, for, for that in, in the industry. Um, and the, we, the reason we set it up the way that we did as well is because we know, be, being, power, being a power planner, we know how power planners best operate. And we are, we, we like... Um, Private meetings, we, we're, we're generally a, a bunch that aren't as outgoing and um, as, as financial planners, we, we like to be focused in our work. We, we're generally um, not, as, yeah, not, not quite reserved. Um, so having a one-on-one private meeting to discuss uh, what people want to get out of their career, we felt was going to be the, the best way to, um, to make that successful. And, and it's definitely um, shown to be the case. Brilliant. So, well, thank you for joining me, um, you know, and uh, you know, I hope you all had, you know, wonderful uh, bank holidays as well. So uh, I suppose, really, I suppose now let's get into the podcast per se. You know, now, now people know who we are. Um, let's let's open this up, uh, have a conversation amongst ourselves, really, um, around what we think the future of power planning in the UK is going to be. Uh, we'll, we'll probably start off on that point. Um, so uh, who, who, who'd like to kick us off? Anybody? Just uh, where do we think where do we think paraplane is going to go? Actually, I don't I'm, mind having a say. Yeah, I'm say. Um, I, I believe the future of power planning is, is fairly large. If you look at it over the last 
sort of five, 10, 15 years, it's, it's changing, it's growing, it's, it's developing and it's going a number of different ways. Um, but I do believe, like I touched on earlier, that um, the role of a power planner is not just someone that's going to be writing reports anymore, which is what it has been. And, you know, there was a bit of confusion, confusion over what an actual power planner did. And was it an administrator that just had this fancy title or was it something else? Um, and now it's, it's, it's becoming more and more obvious that it's definitely, the, you know, is that something else? It's the people that have got a lot of qualifications they're, they're a lot of them have got more qualifications than the advisor I think the advisors are becoming that front face that that frontman that's going to be um, providing the relationship with the client whereas the power planner sits and does all the technical things in the background as you know as the one that's doing all the exams and everything um, but like I said earlier about the MI you know management information is huge and I don't believe a lot of advisor firms use management information with their team their internal teams um, and I probably am going to bang the outsource drum quite a lot over this podcast because I being you know being an advisor myself all those years ago I truly believe that outsourcing is a better way than an internal team and people will argue to look to their blue in the face with me over that no doubt but when you know a simple example is that even now we're starting to develop management information that we can provide to our clients such as how much is mr and mrs smith costing you and we can have a look at our system track back to see exactly what's been logged and say well advisor a mr and mrs smith has cost you x y this year and you know is is that is that cost effective and some people are saying they're costing me money there's this i've got so much money then so much time, sorry, that I'm putting into that client that I'm not actually charging them enough. So I do believe that people are going to start to realise that administration and power planning, it's a huge part of an advisor's business and their life and their livelihood. And actually, if they start to develop management information and look at those types of areas, they will start to see that that's, you know, that, that is going to become a role of the power planner to actually take those things and understand management information understand how much these clients are costing the advisor and drop you know whether they then move that client down to a trainee advisor that that can afford to take the lower fees or someone that's a training advisor you know training advisor and leaving the top end if you like advisors to really deal with the the big bucks and the you know the high net worth or the more profitable not necessarily high net worth, but more profitable advisors. So I, I think that's going to be something that's going to, you know, that's going to really start to help advisors themselves and also power planners understand a little bit more about the actual commerciality of running an advisor firm rather than being so focused on the report itself. It's yeah. understanding that little bit more. It's understanding how we're going to make this you know, we, we need to service the client, we need to advise the client in the right way, the compliant way, but we also need to make some money because no no one does this for a, a charity, you know, or I don't think there is any way, but, you know, I don't think anyone really is out there advising clients because they, they really want to advise clients and they want to take a hit on their own pocket. You know, at the end of the day, everyone wants to make a bit of money. So, and if it's not worthwhile seeing Mr and Mrs Smith for example then I, I think it'd be the role of the power planner to say and just to develop on that and as, as well as that I think it's process it's it's systems controls and I think the power planner is going to be looking at those and 
you know, you're going to have lead power planners that do this type of work as well as overseeing report writers and, and things like that. And I, I really think it's just going to just going to grow and grow and grow. So Sean and, and Rob, where do you think it's going to go? I couldn't agree more with what Michelle said. Um, I think there's uh, a, a, a big future, definitely. Um, again, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about outsourcing in this podcast, but, um, you know, I have a, a fairly recent view of, of being in-house as well. So um, I, I think I can really objectively see the difference between the two. And um, some, some of the differences has come not as a shock, but kind of uh, nice surprises along the way I've, I've found. Um, so in terms of uh, the, the main difference for me between outsourcing and being in-house, I agree with Michelle, like going choosing an outsourced um, power planning rather than having in-house, I can definitely see that that is a massive benefit. I, I, I don't know if I ever really did when I was in-house. I thought it was great having an in-house team. Um, but the relationship that I have now with financial planners as a power planner couldn't be more different than it was as an in-house power planner. Um, the, the the treatment, the respect, the conversations, they're just they're just 100% different. I'm not a different power planner, I'm the same power planner, um, but that relationship is just so much different. Um, they're, they, I, they are, they're working with me on the level that I want to work with financial planners, on the level that we are both financial planners at the end of the day. Uh, and it's just such a collaboration um, of, of looking at the client the end client and making sure that end client is getting the right outcome um whereas in-house it's it's a bit more a bit more strange because there is a lots of um kind of business decisions uh that that really constrain the power planner they're employed they have to do what they're told to a certain degree whereas in an outsourced um world we we do have to do what we're told we do have to work with clients sometimes we might not agree with some things that they might do um, but we always focus on um, that that goal of making sure the end client is getting the right outcome um, we have the time and the and definitely the inclination to you know look up the rules the fca rule book um, we we have contacts with people that uh, technical experts people in the fca for example that if we do need to um, get some clarification on something we will go and do that because we are really interested in doing that um, to to make a change for one case, but actually it will change our view on how we do things if, if um, those uh, conversations uh, open the door to what, 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 is, what we're doing is not actually quite fitting the bill. You know, as a recently retired advisor, um, you know, my role with power planners was always to give them, you know, to, to always agree with them that if they, to tell me what they think is the right route for the client in the end. And, you know, I'm never precious about that. You know, it's, uh, you know, it was all about working in collaboration to get to a mutually good end result and, and understanding what we needed to do to get there. And, and sometimes, you know, that meant I hadn't provided enough information. I hold my hand up. You know, advisors aren't always the best. Um, I'm sure you'll agree in, in providing information to, to, to power planners. Um, you know, but, but I learned, uh, you know, very quickly how to make sure that we could build that mutual relationship, as you say, for the end benefit of the client, which is, where, which is what we're aiming to do. And like you say, the qualifications, which we'll, no doubt we'll touch on in the future, you know, in terms of some of the qualifications and experience and technical capability of paraplanners, has, has, you know, is phenomenal. Uh, far much better than a number of advisors, he says, um, you know, in my experience, uh, having managed uh, advisors in the past as well. So, so Rob, what, where, where do you think we're going to go? Um, you know, certainly your paraplanning in a, in a pandemic report was, uh, uh, you know, and, and by all means, by the end of this, tell us where people can get a copy of that, because we're going to refer to it occasionally. But... Um, you know, 
a lot of information there about where it's been over the last two years and how it's developed over two years. But where's it going to go? Where's it going to go in the future? Yeah, um, I mean, I agree with, with, um, with what Michelle and, and Sean have been saying. Um, perhaps I'll, I'll try and bang the drum a bit for the in-house power panel as well. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll need to even it up a bit. But yeah, I mean, the, um, we've, we've done two reports over the past four years. So, um, so, so we had the uh, rise of the power panel in 2019 and the power, um, power panel in the pandemic in 2021, hopefully. Not, not, not a subject I want to write about again, or not a title I want to put on a report again. Um, and, and I think basically, I mean, both of them are very upbeat. And, and, and you know, as we've been saying, you know, the, the, the role of the power plan has changed quite a bit. Um, I think what we've seen, certainly in those reports, was, um, and, there's, and it was mainly in-house power plans responding to the, to the surveys we put out, um, was that they're becoming ever more influential in the firms they're working in. They're taking on more responsibilities. You know, they're getting more involved in the businesses themselves. Um, they're sort of sitting on the investment committees, some of them are sitting on the boards of the, of the, the companies. You know, I've spoken to people who are actually sort of doing management buyouts and actually becoming owners of the companies as well. Um, so, I mean, I, I think overall the, the, the feeling was a very dynamic, very upbeat, um, not for everybody. I think there are areas where I think, as Michelle referred to, you know, referred to there are um, situations where people, where Parapan is still seen as an administrative role. Um, you know, and, and it, it isn't anymore. Um, but I think generally we're seeing very, what the feeling from the reports was very, very optimistic about the, the, the power planning market and, and power planning role. Brilliant. And, and um, you know, again, I think, as you rightly saw, maybe for our next podcast, we'll get uh, an in-house power planner uh, along, alongside us as well, just to, just to balance that up. Um, over those two years of the difference in the reports, I mean, what, what was the what, what was the striking difference? I know we had a pandemic, um, which we'll try not to mention the P word uh, as it goes forward. Again, it goes in it. Couldn't mention the B word for a while in terms of Brexit, and then I think in about another six months' time, we won't be allowed to use allowed to use the P word. But um, what do you see the major difference in two years in terms of the involvement in, in para planning? Yeah, um, I mean the pandemic did did affect things, um, but I mean this. The tone of both the reports, though, the, both both pieces of research, let's talk about at least the research. In both pieces of research, parapanels were very, you know, you could see where the market is going. People are becoming more involved and taking on more of a, more of a, I'd say, responsibility in, 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 in what, what the outcome of the client is. And, I, and Michelle, I mean, Sean, you know, cutting in here if you think this is right. Um, you know, rather than just sitting there writing reports, and, and I know some people, you know, do sit, you know, that's what they do day to day because that's their job. But it, the, the trend has been for um, for power planners, you know, to get more involved in in discussions with the, the advisor about, you know, what what should be the outcome. You know, as, you know, as Michelle was saying, you're becoming the technical technical part of it, becoming more the the engine, if you like, of a power planning of a financial planning firm. Um, allowing the, the advisors to become the, the guys, the relationship builders, go out there and see the clients. But the the, the, the power planners like sitting in the center of it and you know discussing with the the, the, the discussing with the advisor what's going to go on, what you know what's best for the client, bringing in new ideas, you know new products or whatever, you know dealing with, with you know with with the administrators and, and making sure everything works as well. So I think internally within within um, in-house financial planning firms, that's the feeling I get. Of how it's going. 
Rob, I couldn't agree more. And I think there's been quite a lot of um, move towards, in general, the financial planning industry, but in power planning, the move to kind of real financial planning, um, creating a financial plan for a client, using cash flow modelling as a standard for every case, uh, rather than a specific thing that you do for one client in one's particular case. Um, uh, and the more that that happens, the more the power planner needs to have knowledge in different areas uh, at a base level and an advanced level, but also really understand how all of those things fit together. And that's when a real power planner kind of comes in um, because um, you can understand what an ISA is and a GIA and doing an ISA transfer or a pension transfer, but then stick it all together into a cash flow model uh, and it shows a, a shortfall. What do you do then? Then that really comes into the kind of, you need to discuss that, you need to come up with a, a bit of a plan um what is the financial planner's thoughts about that he knows the client generally um and might have thought about all of those kinds of things and, and that's when you can start pulling it all together and really formulating a plan um and i i've seen a lot of kind of movement on that front um definitely in the year that i've been now with Planworks, um and a lot of um financial planners having a real interest in moving towards that kind of more holistic financial coaching financial plan model uh, and including that within their normal financial planning business, um, which I find really interesting. Um, uh, and talking about qualifications, as we did earlier, um, I actually had a, a conversation with a financial planner recently about, about you know, what qualifications I was doing versus the ones that they were doing. Um, uh, and they were going down the sort of route of, of doing um, financial coaching qualifications, whereas I was doing more technical ones, which I thought was quite interesting because it really is aligning um, the skills that we have and want to use and develop um, in the right way. I think, uh, again, you, you know, you, you picked on some really important points there in terms of uh, the role of the paraplanist is going to change and, and is always changing. So I, I don't think it's one of those that's ever going to ever going to stand still. And, and, you know, some of the firms that I dealt with you know, as an advisor, you know, some of the paraplanners, we got them involved with the clients, talking directly to the clients, preparing a lot of information before we had the review, getting to know the clients. And quite often, if it was a simple question, they would ring up, they would ring the paraplanner up you know, rather than the advisor, um, you know, and, and, and the roles, you know, became a little bit, I suppose, merged, but, but, but you were working together as a team, uh, you know, at the end of the day. Okay, so, so, so certainly we're going to see some, see, see some interesting changes coming up, um, and I'm sure, you know, no pressure on you this, on this one, Rob, but it was quite interesting you talked about the relationships, and I've, um, it's being edited at the moment, but we cross you, Rob, for your, for, for professional power planner, um, but we're just putting together about how do you build those mutually beneficial relationships. So, so hopefully an article that we'll see uh, from LRBF, LRBF into a professional para planner uh, sometime soon. Uh, watch this I look forward on. to reading it. That's one way of trying to get it in there, Rob. That's all it was. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Um, so let's so let's think about you know how do we retain recruit the para planners of the future? You know, and again, this is something that we fundamentally have been involved in uh, through through LRBF. No, quite quite heavily, not, not just in not just in the examination route. I mean, for those of you that don't know, uh, and, a, and a little plug, LFIF have two routes for which, for planners to get qualifications. We, we we have our DIP financial advisor, which is the level four qualification, and and probably relevant for those paraplanners that may want to go on to be advisors. Um, but we also have our DIP um, paraplanner which is more geared up for those para planners that are unlike to be advisors, but it's more about the skills of para planning. And uh, behind that, you know, that, that, that both 
courses are designed by and input by experts and para planners themselves to make sure that they're relevant for where people want to go. But I think there's also a lot more in terms of qualifications where people are going. A lot of para planners are now level six. They're chartered. They're fellows, you know, so, so, and keen to do that. You know, it's not because they've been forced to by their companies. It's because they really want to have the knowledge. So how do we take our para planners on that journey? Now, how do we get them to buy into that level of knowledge, which is far, sometimes far higher than the advisors, but gives them that real capability of adding real value to the advisor-client relationship? How and do you do my that? my experience talking to para planners over the past well, eight, seven, eight years, um, I don't think I know a para planner who is not thinking about doing some sort of qualification or is not taking a qualification, unless maybe they've got, you know, they've got, they've, they've, they've got fellow or whatever and, and, and everything else in, in between. Um, I mean, certainly, um, just go back to report again. I mean, there were three quarters of people of power panels were level four, and about twenty percent were, were were level six. Um, so you know that that sort of shows the, 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 how important qualifications are and, and how prevalent they are within within the power planning sort of community. Um, I, I just, I, I just, yeah, from my experience, you know, power planners are always looking at, you know, what can I do next. I'm sure Michelle, you know, Michelle, Michelle, yeah. and Dan, I mean, massively qualified. I mean, you know, you've gone down this route. I mean, I was, um, we had to with somebody the other day and they'd gone from, from, from zero to fellow in 2.5 years. I think that's an, an indication of, you know, dedication to, 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 to taking qualifications and taking. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. There are a lot of power planners at the moment that are really focused on getting their exams. I know we've got people in our business that, that are, um, we still call, we, we have things that we call technical administrators and technical researchers, which currently is a kind of a report writer, technical researchers, and then we call them te technical analysts. So we're a little bit different, we don't really call anyone a power planner because obviously they, we, we use the term based on what exams they hold. So we've got, for example, some technical researchers or report writers, basic report writers, who are really focused on driving through their, you know, their sort of like CII exams and everything. Um, now, I've also touched on this with Richard in the past. Um, I, I think exams are great. And like you said, Rob, about that guy that's just done up to from nothing to fellow in two and a half years. That's that's great. But the only thing that that doesn't show is experience behind it. Now, in those two and a half years, there was so much to learn in terms of competency rather than actually sitting in an exam that I feel can be more beneficial to the, the advisor network and particularly to my business. You know, a competent para planner that's really, really good and really competent but only has diploma is worth more to me than someone that might be chartered but has really zoomed through all the exams is great at passing in exams but it's absolutely diabolical at writing a good report so you know there is that you've got to really weigh up too so this is why i was talking to richard about it in the past because of the the libf route it's more practical and it's in its focus is a bit more on competencies which is why we as a business are probably going to look at running the two side by side because we've got some people going through the cii route now but we want to do that route as well. And I'm probably going to get booed here by lots of people. But I really believe that power planner salaries are way wrong at the moment. They're way too high. 
Um, and yeah, probably everyone's gonna, I'm gonna get death threats now, aren't I? Shut up, keep your mouth shut. Um, but yeah, I'd, <laughs> sorry, Sean. Um, I do believe they are too high. And the, the reason I say that, let me explain, is that I've had um, power planners that have come to me and demanded 40 grand plus on certificate level. And I'm talking the old FPCs, okay? And to me, that's crazy because they they just they're just demanding so much money because they know they can get it somewhere. So you go to an advisor firm who's panicked because they haven't got these power planners or they've got so much work to do. They just need a power planner to take it off their hands. That They're like, yeah, yeah, fine. Have 40 grand, have 45 grand, have 50 grand just to get me the what I need. And actually, if they thought about it and actually sat down and planned what they actually need and thought about what they need, it would be better to outsource because that 40 grand, 50 grand, 50 grand power planner in-house, who could be diabolical at writing reports, is actually better off outsourced and paying 25 grand because you're only using the time that you actually use. So I do have a bit of a thing with the fact that I do feel that power power salaries are being really ramped up too quickly because of their kind of demand. They're demanding it of the of the um, advisor firms rather than the advisors actually sitting back and thinking, you know, this is this is the right thing to do or this is going to this is cost effective and this isn't cost effective. And because of that, it's really pushing up the salaries. So as a business, as an outsourced business. I, I have to grow my own power planners because I can't take power planners in that are completely fully qualified at chartered fellow level because they're demanding 50, 60 grand. Yeah. So whilst it's great that they're getting these qualifications and I still believe, you know, that they do need to get qualifications and build on them. I think they should do them slowly and build the experience and the competencies alongside those things. So whilst it's an achievement for someone to do it in two and a half years, I don't actually believe, and again, I'm going by experience of running a, this business for many years and having different levels of people coming in. I don't believe that would be a great power planner in my mind. A qualified one to the hilt, yes, but not a great one. And Michelle, I, I, I agree on loads of things you said that, I, you know, I was booing you a little bit about the salary thing. But Sorry. I, I do. No, I do, I do agree with your point. I, I completely agree with it. And actually, it's it's cementing my about what we're doing at Planworks because we're doing exactly the same. We are growing our own power planners mm. uh, because it's really difficult to know what a power planner has done, what their experience really is, um, if they have been a power planner somewhere else, because there is no absolute definition about what they can do, have done, what they get involved in. Have they just been report writing and doing what they're told or have they got involved in the advice, been in meetings, um, uh, really thinking about real financial planning with with advisors and working on that uh, same level? You just don't know until you've worked with them. And I think it is really difficult. Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, so I'm, 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 I think that's great. And, and absolutely, I, I completely agree about the qualification part as well. Um, you know, from my, my experience, I was doing the, doing the job, I was doing the exams, I did do them fairly quickly, but that wasn't kind of, uh, I was doing the job at the same time. Um, so getting that experience alongside the job, uh, alongside doing the exams. And I think that's the key thing, um, doing the exams in isolation. A, I can't, I can't um, uh, understand how somebody can sit these exams without doing the job at the same time as well, because that must be super tough. And we are seeing quite a few of these people going through the Paraplanner Club with our mentees at the minute, um, that. Are they're not even in the industry, and they're doing the um, doing going through 
the LIBF, the CII, the CISI route, they're sitting the exams and they're working in uh, as a car mechanic in the NHS, they're in engineering, they're nothing to do with financial services, even not even, you know, sort of mm. in banking or anything. Uh, so, you know, hats off to anyone that can do it and can do it really quickly. But the problem that we have in being a power planner is the experience, is the real life, having the experience and, and understanding financial planning, not the products, not the technicalities mm. of the products. That's the basic bit. Um, the financial planning bit is the really hard bit. And, um, and, and the experience is the bit, the part that gives you that. Mm. And that's what goes back to earlier when we were saying it's it's like when you're working alongside the advisor and it's a collaboration, it's a side by side um, business development. You know, the, if you're just talking to someone that's just got a load of exams and just passed out, they've got haven't got that. They haven't got those experiences or those competencies to sit and have those proper discussions with advisors that have been advising for years and years and years. And also the confidence as well. The confidence is a massive part mm -hmm. of it. Um, to be able to have a conversation with someone that might be older than you is probably more experienced than you if you're coming in at that level. Um, mm -hmm. They might have been doing financial planning for years and certainly they've got the confidence even if they haven't got as, even as much knowledge as you might have as a power planner. You've got to then say to them in a way that there's going to be received really well, what you're doing is not the best thing for the client and I think this might be better for the client. That's not an easy conversation to have. And to get the skills to be able to have those conversations, it's not something you get taught in a diploma. It's not get something you get taught in a certificates. It's not really even something you get taught in a, in a course necessarily. You just have to pick up how to be able to do that. And not everybody can do that really well. Mm. Communication is, is, is absolutely key in that. Um, and it's like you say, Sean, it's something that you, you develop whilst you're working your way through the ranks and talking to advisors and talking to clients and, and providers. Yeah. So I'm just conscious of time uh, in terms of because we've, we, we've um, gone through a lot in a very short period of time. And, and again, it's really exciting because, again, it shows us that there's so much of an appetite to talk of things about all things para planning. Rob, I'm, I'm going to just sort of, uh, I suppose, ask you just to sort of like, I suppose, finalise our conversation about recruitment and retention of para planners and, and how we see that developing. What's quite interesting from both Michelle and Sean is they've said that the trend is now seems to be growing para planners uh, organically, internally, uh, and taking them on a journey, um, you know, to get the right para planners with the right experience for their organisations. Is that reflected in, in, in your research in, in terms of what's happening in, in internally with companies as well, in, in, with teams um, within, uh, within financial advisory firms with their own para planner teams? So I think what we are seeing is, is, is that mixture of, of um, people who are bringing in starting graduate schemes, um, bringing in sort of people and training them up, taking them through the exams, but also giving them that exposure to maybe the administration department, to the, the various departments within, within the financial planning business. Um, so they do get that, that you know, feeling for the whole business, if you like. Um, but also we're getting, you know, the, the situation where, you know, as, as you said, Michelle, you know, people are getting paid large salaries um, because they can sh they're shifting jobs and, and, and people are desperate for, for people to fill the, to fill the roles. And, you know, and the, the, the report showed as well that, you know, I think it was 88% of Paramount has said their workload increased over the past two years. Well, I mean, you guys in the outsourcing market are seeing, you know, more, probably more people than you can cope with. It's an indication, it's supply and demand, isn't it? So I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, but yeah, so the, the, there are two, almost like two streams going at the same time. You've got, you know, people are recruiting in and, and, and training up 
and also you've got this this quite vibrant sort of market for power plans out there, which um, which I, I you know I think is still going to keep going for a, for a while yet. Mm. Yeah, uh, you know, and and again, you know, from my perspective, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up now because I'm just again I'm just conscious of time. And it seems a good a good place for us to stop on this one. Um, plenty of plenty of things that I've sort of made notes on in terms of what you've said in terms of episode two uh, of where we can go. So so I'm sure episode two will be will be just as thought provoking uh, and inspiring as you know what you what you've brought really to the conversation for episode one and and you know not before time i think you know to have a specific power planner podcast from libf um you know but thank you ever so much really for you know for joining me today and 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 hopefully you've enjoyed it got something from it and added something back um you know and and you'll join me again for episode two um you know you know thanks a million thanks a million and and, and enjoy the rest of the week and uh, you know we'll see you and, and i'll see you again soon <laughs>